Equan, cut the music. Here we go. Episode two, Sick Inside Podcast. I'm your host, Aiden, AD, whatever you want to call me. I'm here with Bennett Kiley, Nick Schultz, and Jack Hallen. And today we're going to be taking a primarily college basketball focus. Before we get into that, as always, we're going to start with some breaking news, specifically reactions to the All-Star team. Since this is going to be an NBA focus or college basketball focused podcast, we just wanted to at least touch on some of the NBA news, specifically starting with the All-Star teams. So, of course, Giannis and LeBron ended up somehow on the same team. Of course, Schultz, I'm going to start with you here. How, how do you let that happen as you're drafting the team? Yeah, I have no idea. That team, just those two alone are great. And then you're letting Steph Curry and Jokic on that team as well. That's that's by far the best starting lineup of an All-Star game I think I've seen in a while. Uh, I love that team. I'm not really sure what KD was thinking there. But I think LeBron's just all about winning too. Um, so I think LeBron wanted to get that winning team. And he's not really doing any of that politics anymore. So he kind of just took the best available. I'm not sure what Katie was up to, but I'm sure there's a little bit of Kyrie involved and things like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Should be fun. Going to bet the over like always. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ben, man. Uh, you know, even with the teams themselves, I know Kylie, you being a Pacers fan, you got to be pretty happy that Sabonis, even though he didn't get the start or even get in initially, you got to be pretty happy that he eventually did make it in. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I thought it was well-deserved. Um, he's replacing Kevin Durant, right? Even though he's the captain somehow, he's yep. not playing. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, um, my reaction, I mean, I think that KD mostly picked just, like, his boys, it seemed like. And LeBron, like Nick said, went, he always tries to win that. Uh, I think was, like, the third or fourth year of having captains. Mm-hmm. And he's won every year. Um, I mean, LeBron's team talent-wise looks better. I mean, obviously every player in there is really good. So we'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, I I like both teams, and I feel like the rosters kind of fit both of the captains' games the most, even though KD's not playing. Um, I think they kind of fit how they should have, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, but there were some surprise picks. KD had some. I was like, whoa. I was watching it. And I really liked LeBron talking about how he needed a big guy. And he picks a bonus over Rudy Gobert, the biggest guy and the best defender. I thought that was awesome as a Pacers fan. And he was a sub and got picked before Gobert. Um, but, I mean, I was shocked that the last two – Jazz, or the Jazz players were the last two picks. I mean, they're the best team in the NBA right now, and those are the best two players on the team, and they were the last two picks. I was kind of surprised by that, and LeBron's answer for that reason was kind of mm-hmm. shaky. So stupid. <laughs> yeah. So stupid. Yeah. It's like, what are you talking about? So for, for those of you that didn't know LeBron's uh, answer, it was something along the lines of, you know, when we were growing up, even with Stockton and Malone playing for those jazz teams, ain't nobody playing with the Utah Jazz was along the lines of what his comments were, which, you know, if I remember, if you look back to like 2002 for the Sacramento Kings, it took them almost getting to the finals to like somewhat start getting respect. So I think a lot of that does come down to being that smaller market team. You need to win like three rings, like, uh, San Antonio did in order to like start getting that respect maybe as that mm-hmm. smaller media market. 
Uh, Halnick, going to bump it over to you here. Did you think that any of the players that did not initially make it, even as subs, should have made it? Was there anyone that you were looking for here that you thought, oh, you know, maybe he should have made this team, could have made this team, or do you feel like the rosters are pretty good as is? Uh, I think the rosters are pretty good as is. I know everyone was freaking about freaking out about, like, Booker not making it originally, and he ended up being, like, he ended up making it, but... I think the rosters are really good as is, like, just looking at them, like, you can't go wrong with any of the guys who are in this, like, they're all, they're all all-stars, they're all great on their individual teams, they have sick talent, um, but I'm really excited for the all-star game, I really enjoyed that they create, like, they put in the, that Elaine ending, where it's, like, the plus eight, rather than just, like, that end time, I think, like, that, last year, that made the all-star game, like, the best R-Star game I've watched, like, since I started watching. I really enjoyed it. Like, super competitive. Only bad thing is that they ended the game with the free throw. Yeah. That was the only thing that wasn't enjoyable. Besides that, I thought, like, all the guys were super competitive and, like, they were really – like, it looked like they were trying the whole time, whereas, like, usually the All-Star game is, like, more kind of, like, fool around, like, have some, like, cool dunks, half-court shots. But I really liked that they put in that Elaine ending at the end. Yeah, definitely. Well, one thing I'm going to add to that is I, I think there were, like, two snubs. I think Bam probably should have made it in Middleton. That's, that one's definitely more biased, but he, he's been having a great season. But Bam and Middleton, I think, definitely should have been on the roster. Who had put them over? I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. Uh, maybe Randall. I think Randall deserves to get the recognition of, like, what kind of season he's having. I think Simmons maybe could be replaced, too. I mean, he's having just, like, a normal Simmons season where, like, Bam Adebayo is more of this rising star, and I would have liked to have seen his talents mostly carrying over from uh, the not the All Star game, the finals last year, kind of like just coming through. And is it true that Jimmy Butler he stepped out because Bam didn't get picked? I'm pretty sure that was I read that somewhere. I don't know if that's completely I'm not true. Sure. I'm gonna look me, that up. I'll me, come yeah. back to you. Come back to me. I, I know with me looking at this All Star team in comparison to what I remember from past All Star teams, it's this is the first time where I've looked. I'm like dang, those guys are all all-stars. Like, there there was no one like what you guys are commenting on that I would have been like, that guy really shouldn't have made it. Whereas in years past, you know, you will get those guys. I know uh, when the Hawks had the starters named as, like, player of the week and they got their all-stars back in, what was that, 2012 when they were the one seed? But back then, you know, that was, like, notable. Like, okay, wow, are these players really all that good? This year, though, it's it, it was really hard for me to kind of find spots for those guys. I think, you know, what are the rosters? How How – Larger are the all-star teams at this point? Is it 12 aside? Uh, let's see. 25. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah, so it's 12 aside. I think realistically there could have you could have picked like 15 guys per conference. And maybe then we would start having complaints of, you know, oh, should this guy really be an all-star? So it was just a really stacked lineup. Even with the Rising Stars Challenge this year, too. There's, first off, Team USA is absolutely insane for that. You have just having a lineup of John Moran and Zion Williamson in the starting lineup alone is nuts. Yeah, and then you bump cool. it over the other side and Lou Dort's going to have to defend pretty much everyone. <laughs> but even, even with the rising stars challenge, there wasn't really, there was one name where I legitimately had no idea who the guy was. He plays for the warriors. He ended up just like Mulder. Yeah. Mulder. I had no idea who the guy was. I was just like four points a game or something like that this year. That was the only guy out of, all the kind of, you know, the events this season, I, it's going to be weird because of, you know, COVID protocols. Guys just straight up don't want to go and it's at halftime. Mm-hmm. So 
I didn't really look too much into those, but of all the names that made it, Mulder was really the only one that stuck out to me. Like, who is this? Why is he here? But at the same point, like, it's the Rising Stars Challenge. You'll get those on occasion. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, about Mulder, I was surprised to see him in there too. Uh, I know he, our friend Garrett loves Kentucky. He's from Kentucky. Talked about this Mulder guy that got a shot with the Warriors last year, and I mean, I guess he's doing all right, but. As a Pacers fan, I was hoping to see Goga Batadze in there. Um, he doesn't get a lot of playing time, obviously, with Turner and Sabonis being who they are. Uh, there's not a lot of minutes to be dispersed for the bigs on the Pacers. But I think in his time that he's gotten when he's playing, I think he's shown flashes. He's super athletic for a seven-footer, uh, has a jump shot for a seven-footer really good at blocking shots. I think at least over Mulder, if you're getting that deep into it, I think Goga should have had a shot to be a rising star. Um, in terms of snubs, I think one to be mentioned is Shea Gilgis Alexander, SGA. Uh, I know he, I know, like you guys said, who are you going to put him in for, mm -hmm. which is a good point. But I mean, he's averaging around 23 points a game, doubled his assist total this year 40 percent from three I mean he's a good as good as any young guard in the league right now and he's carrying a Thunder team that absolutely stinks and so I mean we'll see he's got a lot of potential uh, I think he'll be an all-star down the road for sure I think with first off that Thunder team is if you guys have not watched Thunder Games, they're somehow like the most fun team to watch in the league. And I'm not saying that because I'm a fan of them either. The roster just is not, you look at the players on the roster, it's like these guys are horrible, but they actually end up putting together complete games. In regards to Shea, I think he, if it were a down year for some guys, absolutely. I think he got snubbed from the snub list for like everyone. But outside of that, there's just as good as he's been, there just ain't room for him. And I, I feel pretty bad saying that. Um, shout out Teo Maladon, too, for making the Rising Stars Challenge. Guy's been an absolute beast. Continue on with NBA news. Uh, as of today, March 5th, Blake Griffin has agreed to a buyout with the Detroit Pistons, or what formerly was Blake Griffin, as he's now a walking corpse on the court. Perhaps that'll change with him leaving Detroit. So just go around the table here. Where do we think he's going to end up? Uh, I'll start with you, Kylie. I know I saw today that he's expected to go to Brooklyn, which I would hate. I mean, Brooklyn got three superstars. But originally when I first saw that he was getting bought out, I thought immediately Lakers going back to L.A. You know, LeBron always tries to get every piece he can and – I think he's still got some game in him. Obviously, he's had a lot of injuries throughout his career and has been in Detroit the last few years. So he's not as big of a name anymore. But I think coming off the Lakers bench behind, you know, when AD comes back and Trez, you know, those guys, I think that's another stretch four that you can throw in there and make that team even better. And so – I, I'd say Lakers if I had to pick, but based off the reports, hopefully he doesn't go to Brooklyn. Schultz, what about you? 
Yeah, I'm going to go with Kylie on that one. I think the Nets are probably the favorite for the landing spot. They need some depth. And Blake Griffin, even though he's not the same Blake Griffin, he's still uh, he's still a useful player. So I think anything that the Nets can just add to that roster is going to be something important. I was reading somewhere that Miami might be a place for him too. I guess I could see that. I mean, my I don't know if that's really the most uh, – the most – I'm trying to say, I don't know if Blake really wants to go to Miami just because they're not really a contender right now. They're struggling at the moment, but he does get to live in Miami if he plays in Miami. So I could see that if Blake just really wanted to get out of Detroit and go weather based, that would be a great spot. And I'm assuming the Heat are probably going to be there come playoff time. So I think he could be a great veteran player to help those younger guys like Bam and like Achua, those types of dudes off the bench. So I think Miami could be a sleeper. Uh, but yeah, I think the Nets are probably, if he's going, trying to go to contender, I think the Nets make the most sense. Hanan, what about you? Yeah, definitely content. If he's trying to like get a ring, be a contender, the Nets, just adding him with, uh, James Harden, Kyrie and Kevin Durant, like you got to worry about those guys and you're adding Blake Griffin. He might not be what he was, but I mean, he's a veteran in the NBA. You've seen what he can do. Uh, a last spot I've also seen is Golden State. I think he could be like a decent role player on Golden State, especially when you got James Wiseman there. I think you throw like a veteran like Blake Griffin, I think he could really help James Wiseman develop, you know, give him like that veteran presence, something to look up to, good role model. Um, and I, I, it's Golden State again, just like Miami, super nice place, California. Like, I don't know, but I, I think Brooklyn is the number one right now. I think that's what he's thinking. So I think this is the second episode in a row where you've taken what I was going to say and immediately said it right before me. So <laughs> I was going to say Golden State would be absolutely incredible. Blake Griffin yeah. in that motion offense, yeah. even though he's not quite athletic as much anymore, being able to kind of be that swing guy that Draymond Green is, obviously he won't give you nearly as much effort on offense or defense as Draymond Green at this point. Cause I just, with current Blake Griffin, I don't think he's a good player right now at all. Not to say he can't return to being an above average role player. But if you throw him into a system like Golden State or even Brooklyn, I think either of those he would be able to do really well. Does it help Brooklyn's defensive issues at all, if anything hurts them? But in regards to Golden State, though, I think that would be a really, really cool fit. All right, so that is the conclusion of our NBA segment, otherwise known as our breaking news segment. And now on to the main event here. We are going to go through pretty much every single major conference in college basketball right now, we're just about to enter actually finals for a few of these conference tournaments. It's March. It is Let's March. Go. Finally, <laughs> we made it. Now, we got to keep in mind, this was about a year ago. This one stuff started going to shit. So still knocking on wood as often as I can. But let, let's get into it. First off, uh, the Baylor Bears, absolutely phenomenal team. And for the first time ever, is that correct? Yep. Since 1971 yep. years. The- I think, all right, so modern era, post-AFL-NFL merger. Baylor wins the Big 12 in college basketball. So just want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, Baylor, coming into the season, they're supposed to be the best team in the Big 12, borderline best team in the NCAA. They've continued to be the best team in the Big 12 and probably the best team in the uh, NCAA, along with um, Gonzaga and Michigan now coming in late. But, I mean, that backcourt that Baylor has is just phenomenal. With the, They have two pretty much guaranteed NBA draft picks with uh, uh, Jared Butler and I think is Davion Mitchell. Davion Mitchell 
And then they also have Masio Teague and then uh, Adam Flagler off the bench. Then they just have they just have so many guys that can shoot. And then they a lot of versatile defenders. They're just a really really deep team. I really love this Baylor basketball team. The only way that I could see them losing is just having an off night shooting with Jared Butler, which which was the case when they lost to Kansas. Uh, between that and maybe going up a team against a team that has that height advantage, uh, like a Iowa type team where they don't really, cause they don't really have a center that right now they pretty much start Mark, start Mark vital at center. And he's a six, four, I think he's a meatball, but he's only like six, four, six, five, two fifty. He's a big boy. Yeah. He, he's tiny for a center, but like he's height wise, but, um, I really like this Baylor team. Big 12 in general uh, is an awesome conference. Probably my favorite to watch this year. I'm going to let everybody else talk about Baylor before we go into the Big 12 a little more in depth. But, yeah, so I want to hear your guys' thoughts on Baylor. I know Jack really likes Jared Butler, and I know Kyle. Yeah, no, I think Baylor's got the best backcourt in the country. It's Butler, Teague, and Mitchell. Like, those guys are unbelievable. And they run up and down the floor, super fast offense. Like, they run and gun. They play small, but they're quick. They're really fast. Um, and you know, I, I watched Baylor play West Virginia last week and I think mm-hmm. they were coming out of like, uh, some COVID protocol stuff they hadn't played in a while and they were down yeah. since February. Were, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, okay. That was their third game back. They played Texas back. on February 2nd and then they played February 23rd, 27th and March 2nd. Yeah. And they were down like 10 to West Virginia. They came storm back. They hit like back to back threes and they, I really, really liked how they handled, like, being down 10, 12. Because I was like, I want to see how they would handle it. And they handled it no problem. And they came storming back, won in overtime. And I was just super, super impressed with, with that game. Yeah. And that's coming after a loss, too, against Kansas. Yeah. Yeah, I really like Baylor also this year. They've got a very experienced team coming back from last year, which was also a very good team. Almost everyone coming back except Gillespie, the big guy. Um, you know, coming in, they had high expectations and they've lived up to it. I really like the energy that they have every game. You can tell they're all fired up always. Uh, Coach Drew always has them in the right mindset. They, I mean, energy, especially with no crowd, is huge. Building your own energy. I always see that in this squad. Um, I love their guards. Really impressive. Hard to beat good guards in college basketball and their experience, which in March is really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, one way that I think they could get beat in the tournament um, is foul trouble. I mean, when against West Virginia, uh, Butler fouled out, and that could have been bad. I mean, he's got to stay out of foul trouble for sure if they're going to be competing for championships but you know I think they're gonna make a run uh Baylor has been in the last maybe not every year but I know uh I've recalled in the last few years that they've been an upset team uh Georgia State but you know I think this year is different they're really good really experienced I think they're coming for a championship this year yeah, no, I'm not worried about them getting upset in the early rounds this year. Yeah. Backcourt depth is completely different. So they play Texas Tech on Sunday. I think that's going to be a great game. Texas Tech is another team that I really love in the Big 12. I think they have a lot of 
really good depth. They picked up some great transfers in the transfer market between Santos Silva and uh, Mac McClung. Obviously, he's a great player. But they play pretty much like they go six deep, seven deep with uh, Taron Shannon coming off the bench. I know Jack and I, we love Taron Shannon. He's been a dog all season. I honestly think he should be starting. He's probably their best player. He's been their most consistent player for the past couple or this season for sure. Uh, He's like a six, five, six, 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 six guard. He can guard one through three, one through four, and he's been awesome. And this is the Texas Tech team also lost that five star whose name is escaping me. But he was – oh, Namari Burnett. So they, they lost that guy, and they still have a ton of talent. Like, he was coming off the bench, so he wasn't really that big. But I think a win against Baylor for them could bounce them up to, a, I don't know, maybe a four or five, a three or four seed, four or five. Um, so, yeah, what do you guys think about Texas Tech? Any other teams in the Big 12? I really uh, like – yeah, yeah, go. Go right, yeah, yeah. So I, I just want to talk really quick about Oklahoma State. I was not expecting much out of that team. They – Mm-hmm. in essence reminded me a little bit of you remember that uh the washington team that markel fultz was on how yeah, it's just really bad with it was just player. absolutely horrible he had like the one other guard with him maybe like one big man and just wasn't able to do that i they started the year they kind of watching them play while they were able to get some wins under their belt i was like i'm not really sure how good this is going to be is this going to be another situation like with markel where you had this the number one overall pick essentially just being a one man show. And he was, he's been able to lead just absolutely lead with them that I completely underestimated the overall team too. shows how much I know about Oklahoma state basketball, but that, that game against Baylor that they played, I was really impressed with them. That was the second Baylor game I had actually been able to catch with the first being the West Virginia one. And they honestly, I was surprised. I think with, the way he played, this will be the – I mean, he'll he'll go first overall. Okay, yeah. I, I feel pretty I, confident saying I, that. Yeah, I, I totally agree with I, that. I'm trying to think of – you know, you had Zion going first, obviously, being Simmons. A, Simmons going first. But Simmons was on a bad team. Markel was on a bad team. Oh, you're saying okay, on a good team. I, I'm, I'm saying on a good team, on a tournament-quality team, you've got, you know, Zion. Wiggins. And then Anthony Edwards didn't make it. So – it's it's nice seeing, you know, that good college player actually yeah. playing well in college. He got celebrated on senior night, which was pretty fun to me considering he's a <laughs> freshman. Everyone yeah, knows fine. he's he's gone immediately. But I, I was really impressed with them. And overall, just something about Big 12 basketball this year. It's top to bottom, just really, oh, really yeah. strong as a conference. You know, bottom, obviously, it's a little, it's a little weak down there. But they're, with how they're good pretty much seven deep. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy to me how deep this conference is. Yeah, it's not. And it's a nice change that Kansas isn't dominating mm-hmm. uh, like they have for the last twenty years. Um, Jack, anybody you like besides those? I'm going to talk about Texas after you say whoever. I know you're going to talk about West Virginia, so go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big big Mountaineer fan over here. You know, Kylie's got the cowboy hat. But yeah, Miles Deuce <laughs> McBride. He is a dog. I love his game. Averages 50 points per game, four rebounds per game, four assists per game, 42% field goal percentage, and 42% from three. I think he, he is a killer on the court. Defense and offense, he's got that winning mentality. I love watching him play. My favorite player in college basketball by far. And I love him and McNeil on West Virginia. I think they're a great combo guard. I love both of them. McNeil, just spot, he's spot up and he can shoot off the dribble. And he, when he gets hot, he doesn't miss. Like, 
he drains threes from anywhere on the court. Pretty cons- I think he shoots 40% from three, so very consistent. And I'm a, I'm a big, big West Virginia fan. I was really yeah. hoping they were going to beat Baylor in overtime. That was a great game. I really, really – uh, that was one of the best games of the season. Yeah. Um, maybe even the best game of the season so far. Yeah. I'm just going to talk about Texas real quick. Uh, I, as Jack likes McBride, I really like Courtney Ramey. He's another guy who does not miss from three. He's horrible from or, uh, taking like pull up, pull up threes, but his yeah. catch and shoot game is unbelievable. He's just got too slow of a release for that. But I think Texas is a team that can. They're either going to get upset in like the second round or the third round, or go to like the final four or elite eight, because this team is they're pretty deep. They play about who do they? They have three really good guards: Matt Coleman, Courtney Ramey, and Andrew Jones. And Greg Brown, Jericho Sims, and then they have Kai Jones off the bench. And Kai Jones is going to probably be a first-round pick either this year or next year. He's a really versatile big. But I think this team, if they figure out how to close games, which they cannot do for some reason, like speaking of West Virginia, we were watch- Jack and I were watching the West Virginia-Texas game a couple weeks ago. Texas was up by 20, I think. And then uh, Courtney Ramey and Andrew Jones got in like a little argument, and then they just blow the – like they blew the game. So if they can figure out how to close games out – I think this is going to be a really tough team. They just got a great win against Oklahoma last night. So I think to close out this season, I think if they're a four or five seed, I'm just speaking in terms of I, – I like to them to go probably the furthest in the tournament besides uh, Baylor. I think Baylor, West Virginia, and Texas probably have the best chances for a deep run in March Madness. That's kind of what I was trying to get at uh, for these teams. I know Kylie really likes Oklahoma, so I'll let him talk about that before we move on to the next conference. But I think my top three are definitely Baylor, West Virginia, and Texas in this conference, just from uh, depth and um, experience. West Virginia, not so much on the experience, but I think McBride and Culver can really carry that team. That's a really good one-two with a big guy and a little. And uh, like I said, Texas backcourt, if Baylor is the best backcourt in the nation, Texas isn't that far off as having the second-best backcourt. I'd say they're probably definitely in the top five with those three really experienced guards that can all shoot and facilitate it really well. So let's talk about Oklahoma, and then we'll move on. Yeah, I've really liked Oklahoma all year. I mean, they've been a tough team. They've struggled. I think they've lost the last four, which is not the right time to start losing coming into March. But I think they're a team that can bounce back, and once they get in the tournament and, you know, get settled in, I think they're a team that can make some noise. They've beaten Bama at Bama. They've obviously – the Big 12 has, what, seven out of ten ranked teams, something like that. They've got wins in there. I mean, they're towards the – yeah, they're – fourth to last in the conference right now and they rank 16th. I mean, it's a crazy conference. Um, I think Baylor, West Virginia, and Texas, I agree with you, Schultz, um, are the main contenders out of here. Um, I think Kansas is very beatable. They've got a good team. We didn't even talk about Kansas. We're talking about the Big 12. Holy shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, One thing that I've – been thinking about while you guys have been talking just looking at these standings is kind of like the Kansas and Kentucky effect the Big 12 and SEC have typically been dominated by them those two teams and if you've noticed this year and previous years these programs are starting to build up and get towards those programs as well and having more experienced teams compared to uh 
like mainly one and dones at Kansas and Kentucky. I think it's starting to flip the script on one and dones and mm-hmm. kind of who's going to win at the end of the year. It's starting to turn into veteran teams and, you know, we'll see what happens if they end up officially changing where you can go out of high school again. Um, you know, what, what are, how are Kansas and Kentucky going to adjust? And obviously the cats absolutely stink this year. <laughs> um, we're talking about can, uh, the big 12, so I won't really talk about them, but in terms we'll of like the effect, we'll like, what do you guys think about that? Like, do you think there's like, all these teams, they want to be like Kansas. They want to be like Kentucky. And now yeah. it's come to fruition. What do you guys think about that? Well, I think the big thing here is this is a weird season. There was not a lot of off-season prep, so you saw a lot of that. Uh, I mean, you mentioned Kansas and Kentucky. I don't know how you did not mention Duke in that conversation. But Duke's another <laughs> example of a team that's really underperforming this season with those five start that one-and-done approach. And I think it's – honestly, I really do think it's going to bounce back next year, I think when Duke has like Paulo Benchero and uh, whoever else, I think that Patrick Baldwin is probably going to go there. Either there, either be Milwaukee, but that's besides the point. Um, I think these teams, they're struggling this year because they need those first couple of games, those tune up games against bad teams that they just kick the, like kick the shit out of. Sorry, mm-hmm. kids program. Uh, just to tune up and just like get all those. Cause if you watch those games, like Duke was just committing like 30 turnovers a game. Kentucky was averaging like 20 turnovers a game at the beginning of the season. Like, that always happens at the beginning of the season. It just doesn't matter because they're playing teams that can barely shoot a basketball. And now they're going up against – they just basically picked up right in the middle of conference season, and it was really tough for them to adjust. And they didn't really have a whole offseason. They weren't on campus all season or all offseason. So I think those are really big things. Uh, I mean, obviously there's always programs that have those veteran presences. So, like, Villanova is a great example. In the Big 12, uh, uh, recently Chris Beard's had – great program for the last couple of seasons at Texas Tech and that's what he's been doing he's been getting those uh sophomores and juniors and really developing them after the freshman year and uh turning them into lottery picks like uh Jarrett Culvert's a great example of that mm-hmm. um and I he's going to continue to do that for as long as he's at Texas Tech and if he ever leaves that's going to be tough um I mean honestly Kansas has always done that approach too they have that those a few one and dones but they primar- primarily lean on those guys that are two or three year guys like Marcus Garrett uh who else? Uh, Devontae Graham back in the day, Frank Mason. Those are the guys that Kansas mm-hmm. has always led. I think Kansas, honestly, they just the, – they're senior guys, those guys that we're talking about that are supposed to be the one-and-dones that usually stay two or three years for some reason at Kansas. Those guys have just underperformed. Like, talking about Marcus Garrett this year, he hasn't been outstanding. Mm-hmm. Christian Braun, who pretends his last name's Brown, he's been <laughs> pretty inconsistent. Uh, but, like, players like that, and they kind of lack that killer, like, that they need – uh yeah. like last year they had the two twins i forget the names of or two years ago they had the twins the lawson twins like that guys like those guys so i think that's in general i'm going on a rant here so i'm gonna stop talking but one and dones aren't ever gonna as long as there's five stars even if those five stars are going to the nba they're still gonna be a higher end and those are still gonna go to duke and they're still gonna be starters at duke so i think that's still gonna be those teams are still gonna dominate they're obviously we don't see them win the ncaa championship that often in general anyway uh, and I so, do. I feel like the NCAA championship is like those veteran teams. Yeah, like I exactly. feel like it always ends up being those guys with the most experience. And I like that. Like I don't want some five-star freshman coming in and just winning the NCAA championship. So yeah. like the most like recent one was Virginia. That was yeah. led by yeah. all pretty much all seniors except for yep. who's that? Who's their guy? Jared Hunter. Jared Hunter. 
Uh, let's move on to big, the Big Ten because I think we've talked enough about the Big 12 and the Big Ten is better than the Big 12 this year. I just like the Big 12 more, so I structured it that way. <laughs> uh, so obviously, we've mentioned Michigan. They're the one seed. They're going to be a one seed. They're outstanding. They just got blown out by our boy Matthew Guglielmo in Illinois. But I think they're still going to be a great team. That was just a bad shooting night for them. We watched them play against Ohio State. They ran offense, their offense amazingly. Their offense is so fun to watch. Juwan Howard, in general, has been a great coach for them. I think they're Final Four contender. You can pretty much write them into about that. I don't think they get upset before that unless they play Oakland and have to go into overtime again. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think we have to talk about Michigan much. I think they're pretty much a lock, and everybody kind of knows what you're getting from Michigan at this point. So what are some of the other teams that you guys like? Yeah, so I'll probably have the least to say about this, but Iowa. I absolutely love Iowa, you know, from the start of the year, uh, hearing about, you know, this giant human male, Iowa, or uh, Luca Garza, just being able to watch him work and watching some of the other pieces that that team has. It's, I've, I've probably watched more Iowa games than Butler, honestly, and I have no connection to that state whatsoever. It, they've been super, super fun to watch. I don't know how far they'll end up getting in the tournament. I, I see kind of one of two outcomes. Uh, one is Luca leads them to a title. And the second one is they get bounced early. So I feel like there really is no in-between for that. I just think, you know, storyline-wise, as well as, you know, you've got that senior leadership there, I could see them potentially pulling it off. But this conference, again, you know, we're really starting off with the with the two heavy hitters here before getting into some of these other conferences. You know, bottom of it stinks, kind of. But the top side, I mean, can you blame them for stinking when the top is so good? Like, I, I can't really fault them at all. Yeah, uh, just one right. thing about Iowa before we move on. They just need to play defense, and that's how, that's how mm-hmm. they'll be able to get further in the t- – they're 56 in Ken Palm adjusted defense right now. And according to that, they're going to get upset according to my ranking system. So, But Luka can take that. They're pretty upset-proof with Luka. You can't guard Luka. But let's move yeah. on from Iowa. Yeah, I obviously Michigan, Illinois, Iowa, and Ohio State have kind of, you know, made their impact uh, – all top 10 teams. I really am high on Illinois. Love the team. Obviously, we have a connection to it, but shout out Googs. Um, shout out Googs. Googs. But I really enjoy watching them. They're a fun team. Uh, when Dinsumu comes back, uh, they're going to be really tough. They just smacked on Michigan without him, which is impressive at Michigan. Um, love and that be a great confidence booster for Illinois too to beat Michigan like a number one seed like top five in the country without mm-hmm. your all American best player that that's got to boost their confidence like that they absolutely. can do anything absolutely another team that I, I have two teams that I want to mention uh, that could make some noise been really high on Purdue lately which irks me to say as an IU fan. <laughs> Not even going to talk about IU. Don't want to talk about it. Fire Archie Miller. But (laughs) pretty high on Purdue right now. They're playing really good basketball. I'll mention one of their players later. Really big fan of him. Um, The other team I want to mention is Maryland. Uh, You know, they're going to be a team that's between 7 and 10 seed, most likely in the tournament. I think they're a sleeper team that could upset a two seed if they are a seven or 10 seed potentially. 
Uh, I think that they're slotted at the eight and nine. They'll probably lose to the one seed. But, um, you know, I love Aaron Wiggins. He dropped like 25 the other day against Northwestern. He looked really good. Uh, Vassell or Daryl Morso. I believe. Yeah. Erica. Yep. Yep. Really good guards, kind of like Baylor, uh, all experienced. Um, Morcel's really good defensively. Uh, his numbers may not show it, but if you watch him, nobody's really scoring on him. Um, you know, who else? Michigan State's playing really good ball recently, except last night they got smacked by Michigan, but that was a redemption game after they got blown out, <laughs> which was honest. unfortunate. But yeah. Aaron Henry's absolutely going off for them right now. He's carrying them to all these big wins to make a final push to get into the tournament. I think if they get in, you know, with Tom Izzo coaching them, they're going to be a tough out as well. Um but, yeah, I uh, really wish IU would have been in there. They started off pretty good, uh, had a tough non-conference, but the wheels have just fallen off. Um, I read on Twitter that Archie Miller said they had seven or eight guys at practice yesterday. I mean, it's over. It's done, which stinks, but we'll get them next year maybe. We'll see. And yeah, going off of that, I was, uh, I was really high on Minnesota earlier this season. I thought Carr was one of the – Marcus Carr is one of my favorite players in college basketball. And the same kind of thing with IU, like, they just fell off. Like, they lost – they've lost a three straight – or four, five straight, six straight. Maryland, Indiana, Illinois, Northwestern, Nebraska, and Penn State. So, you know, they're, <laughs> they're kind of done now, but I was really high on Marcus Carr. He's a super fun guard to watch. Um, but, you know, the wheels fell off just like of IU. Just a big 10 this year was – very tough conference, so. Yeah. Uh, I get, somebody's got to talk about Wisconsin, and I might as well do it because I'm from there. Uh, I don't like the Badgers, but I'll talk about them. Uh, I they're, They just suck now. They've been mm-hmm. awful ever since, like, December. Like, the end of December, they've been terrible ever since. Uh, they rely on Micah Potter and Nate Rubers to, like, score, and neither of those guys are really that good. Rivers was like supposed to be like one of the best players in the Big Ten this year, and he's like he doesn't even start now. Like he's not that good, and they're starting uh, Jonathan Davis like a freshman at small forward. They just they're kind of running out of options. Like nothing's really working. Uh, Demetrius Trice is the only way they can really score at this point, and he's not that good. Uh, the Badgers, I mean, honestly, that's really disappointing for Badgers fans because they were projected to be one of the best. They're supposed to be right up there with, uh, I mean, it was supposed to be them in Iowa. Those are supposed to be the two best teams in, the, in Illinois. Those are the three best teams. The only one that's really lived up to that uh, has been Illinois. Obviously, Iowa's still good, but, like, Illinois lived up to the expectations of probably being a one seed. Iowa's probably going to be a three. Wisconsin's, like, I don't know, like a six or a seven, I guess. Let's see what Lynn already has them at, but I'd guess about their six seed, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't really like them. I think they're an early upset team. They can't score. They can't shoot the basketball mm-hmm. at all. They'll play defense fine. That's what they do every year. They, it'll be a sh- slow tempo offense, really boring to watch. Mm-hmm. But they really needed to – like, they've had a tough schedule. Obviously, they played Iowa, break with Northwestern, and Illinois and Purdue. Those are tough games back-to-back-to-back. Mm-hmm. They're still 12th in Ken Pond, so it's not like they're playing inefficient basketball. It's more so they just don't have the scoring capacity to, like, mm-hmm. keep up with some teams. And then another team in the Big Ten that I think we need to mention that we kind of glossed over was Ohio State. Ohio State's been awesome. I don't really 
like Ohio State because I don't like Chris Holtman. So if anybody else wants to talk about him, them, uh, they can. Uh, I'll talk about Wisconsin. I meant to mention them when I was talking earlier, but yeah, I agree. I don't like him at all. Um, I've been watching their last few games and I am so surprised that they're still ranked. I mean, it's, it's not working right now. Um, I really think they, instead of using the playing through the bigs, they really need to play with Demetric Trice and, I really like Aleem Ford. He's like kind yeah, of a he fifth play starter for some reason. Yeah, I think he's like they, got gone away from him. Yeah, I don't know why they've gone away from him. Every time that he like puts up a shot, it seems like it goes in from when I've been watching him. Uh, but his usage rate is just not there. I think if they kind of switch from being guard or big focus to guard focused, I think that's how they could potentially make a run in March, but I really am not a fan of this team. Uh, Ohio State, they're good. Uh, They're well coached. I mean, Rip, Chris Holtman. But, uh, you know, I hate Ohio State. I really do. But, you know, I've enjoyed watching them this year. Dwayne Washington's a beast. Uh, Who else? CJ Walker. EJ yeah, Liddell, Liddell is a breakout Island. sophomore. He's really good. Um, Justin Aarons is a pretty good shooter. Yeah, he's dead eye shot. I mean, they're they're I just think there's a question mark next to them. They're inconsistent. They're not a dominant like what their seven ranking says. I don't think they're that dominant to be ranked seventh. Obviously, they have big wins, and they're in the Big Ten, so the losses don't hurt too much. But I think I think they're a team that's got uh, explosive potential, but I think they're, you know, the inconsistency doesn't put me – I don't have them going too far in March. Uh, I see Sweet 16, um, and then mm-hmm. they're going to run into a tough team that – is just playing good ball and they're consistent and I think they get beat around there. Yeah, no, I honestly think Ohio State, if they end up being like a two or if they be if they're a four seed, a three or four seed, which I don't think they will, but if they end up being around there, if they like slide in the tournament, uh, I think they're gonna get upset in the first round or the second round, maybe. They they don't play defense. They're seventy eighth in efficient, defensive efficiency adjusted, and that's really bad. Like if you're if you're in the top 10, like AP ranking, you should not be playing that bad of defense. So they're going to need to figure that out. And I really think it's because they play guys like Aaron's and Dwayne Washington who don't really play defense that well. They have a lot of score first type players that don't really play defense. So I think, I think I like Ohio state's offense. They're really good on offense. Dwayne Washington's really fun to watch. EJ Liddell's a night or a nightmare matchup for a lot of teams just because he can play the three, four or five can line up anywhere. But I think that's going to be, that's going to be a kind of like their Achilles heel is that defense. And then the last team I think we need to talk about in the big 10 before we give up some projections of who we think is going to go far are Rutgers. Rutgers is probably going to make the tournament as well. They got Ron Harper, who's just a stud uh, at power forward. Um, Geo Baker has been great. Jacob Young's been great. They're like everybody else in the big 10, they play a terribly hard schedule. So it's really tough to get a read on those teams based off of records. I think Rutgers, going to be battle tested i think they're pretty well-rounded if we're going to talk about a well-rounded team i think they're really good on defense and they could be explosive on offense with that ron harper 
and uh, Jacob Young. And Montez Mathis, I think, is kind of the X factor on him. He's uh, he's their sixth man right now. He comes off the bench, plays really good defense, can shoot the three really well. I think if he comes out and can give them consistent like 10 to 15 points in the tournament, which is kind of what he was averaging when they were hot when they were in the top 15, I think that could be the way that kind of puts them into the Sweet 16 conversation. I don't think, obviously, they're going to go much further than that. I don't think that team's meant for that. But mm-hmm. in general, I think that's pretty good. Starting ground, Miles Johnson, Ron Harper, that's a pretty good front court. So uh, just looking at the Big Ten again, I mean, Michigan, like I said, Final Four, I think we can all kind of agree that that's kind of their floor. I think if they get upset, that's going to be really surprising for me, at least. Uh, Illinois, we, did, we didn't really mention Illinois that much, but I mean, uh, Curbelo coming into his own this late into the season, that's going to really, really help them. I think Curbelo's awesome. Adam Miller had a great game against Michigan. So if those freshmen continue to provide, I think they should be I, I really, really like Illinois. I think they could easily be a Final Four or a national champion contender. Uh, I don't see any holes in their team, really. The only I think they're a very well-rounded team with Kofi yeah, at center. They got Io, yeah. T. Frage, Corbello's like, coming into his own at point. Yeah. I think they're a very well-rounded team. They got that yeah. senior experience, and they got good freshmen. I think that could take them. Far. That's the perfect combination for March. That's kind of yep. what we were talking about. Yep. So I think those two are the, definitely the top dogs in the Big Ten. I expect both of them to be in the Big Ten championship come – the 14th when is that I don't want to do math in nine days uh and then Iowa I think Iowa and Purdue are kind and Ohio State maybe are tier two for me I you guys can agree disagree but I think those three are probably the next three best teams in that conference just in terms of well-roundedness I think those three teams can kind of hold their own obviously Ohio State and Iowa are a little more offensive but I think what they lack in defense, they more than make up for on that offensive side. So I really like those three. You guys have any complaints with that? No. So I think really quick, just in regard to Illinois, I think they Mm -hmm. actually will end up benefiting from Io missing a little bit of time. I think we actually saw, you know, a lot of those guys gain that confidence in the game that he was out because, you know, it's, you know, as good as he is, he is rather ball dominant. I, I mean, as he should be absolutely, but it allowed them to kind of, you know, spread their wings a little bit and say, you know what, we could do this with or without him as well. And it really just the confidence boost that it gave them, especially just dominating a team as good as that Michigan team really was impressive, honestly. And I've always had a soft spot for Illinois. My coach in high school played on that flying Illini team. So shout out Marcus Liberty. Have to have to throw in the shout out there. But they've they've really, really impressed me, especially without mm-hmm. missing or with missing their best yeah. player. Too. And like you said, I think missing Iowa and still and beating Michigan, like crushing them. Like, I think that totally, like missing him opened up the floor. And I think their confidence is at an all-time high right now. He's going to come back. They're just going to feel like they're unbeatable. Yeah. yeah. One I, thing honestly, I, I like them to win the Big Ten Championship. Yeah. One thing I want to mention before we move on from the Big Ten is the impact of no fans. Um, if you look at the standings, like historically tough places to play. Uh, a lot of those teams are towards the bottom half right now. Um, Indiana, the barn at Minnesota, um, Michigan State, Rutgers, the Rack Center, super tough place to play. They're all bottom half teams in the Big Ten. Um, I think having no fans has kind of had an impact on that. Um, obviously, every place in the Big Ten is going to be tough to play. Um, but those are the typically nationally hard places to play. And 
they're all towards the bottom half. I think that's an interesting point to look at and yeah, about. Definitely. All right. So, I mean, talk about the two best teams in the uh, – or the best two conferences. SEC maybe doesn't have the quantity of great teams, but they have a few really, really dominant teams, first being Alabama. Alabama, run-and-gun type of offense with Nate Oates, and they somehow figure out how to play, how to play defense this year. Last year, pretty sure they were not this dominant on defense. Let's take a look, Ken Palm. Yeah, 114th on offensive deficiency, and now they're number three in the nation offensive deficiency. So that's all you need to know about why Alabama is really, really good this year. They're, we're talking about backcourts, uh, experience, guard. That's John Petty. Jack loves John Petty. And then they also, with him, they have Shackelford, who's a sophomore, played big minutes as a freshman. And their front court with uh, Herbert Jones, who can play, he can guard one through five. He's a phenomenal player. And uh, Jordan Brunner, who transferred from either Harvard or Yale. Harvard, I think. Uh, Columbia, I don't know. He, Ivy, some Ivy school. I'll check. Uh, Yale, I was right the first time. Uh, I mean, this team, I really like this team. They're deep. They shoot well. Uh, they shoot a lot. They're really fun to watch. Alabama, I think, is a matchup nightmare for a lot of teams because they just they don't really care who you put out there. They're going to run right past you anyway. They get the ball and run straight down the court. I love, love this team. Uh, this is probably my favorite team in the SEC. Uh, SEC, like I said, is loaded with top-heavy more so. And I'll let Kylie talk about his favorite team. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am huge on Arkansas right now. Uh, I picked them in our pick them league this year. Um, we may describe that at a later point. But they're one of my teams, and they have just outperformed what people thought. I mean, they're, they've won seven in a row. They smacked on Alabama. They're a very uh, veteran team with a – absolute stud freshman which I think is a very good combo going into March having an experienced team with a potential lottery uh, freshman I think that's really good if you look at like Virginia teams like that that have won in the past I mean Moses Moody is an absolute beast top five top ten pick coming up Um, Justin Smith transferred from IU loved him at IU um I think he's been a huge part of this team. He's super athletic, can shoot. He does everything, averaging seven rebounds a game uh, as a three. It's pretty good. Jalen Tate – or Jalen? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Jalen Tate transferred from Northern Kentucky. Shout out, Norse. Shout out, Jake Hot. Um, <laughs> he's really good at the guard position for them. Uh, Sills. I think they're a really deep team. They're hot. They're super hot. You know, best time of the year to be hot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Huge on Arkansas. I think they end up winning the SEC championship. They're ranked 12th right now. Look for them to potentially be pushing a two or three seed. Yeah, I I totally agree with all that. I really like both. Alabama and Arkansas, I think, are both Final Four Elite Eight contenders easy. Uh. LSU, another one. I really like them. Cam Thomas has been a stud this year. He's a freshman. I think he was a four-star, and he's just turned into an absolute stud, definitely playing above his freshman ranking, as they say. But between them, and then they have Javante Smart, Darius Days, Trenton Wofford. They have a lot of experience. They're going to be probably an eight or nine seed. I think they'll give a one seed a little trouble. I don't think they're going to really do anything past that. I think that's about their ceiling. 
they can get up to that 710 maybe they upset the two kind of like you were saying with uh who are you saying that about i don't remember purdue no maryland maryland uh but yeah i that they're well coached will wade as much of a cheater as he is with that strong ass offer uh he is a good coach he's taken vcu to multiple tournament games and then he's turned lsu into a pretty consistent powerhouse in the sec really like that team uh anybody you like jack i like missouri i like missouri yeah. i like i really like xavier pinson i think he's a really good guard um he's crafty he's got really he's got a really good vision when he gets in the lane um and him and drew smith are a really good combination good backcourt um i saw they lost they beat Florida most recently, but they lost, they lost Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Yeah. Um, but come tournament time, you know, they pull some – I could see them – I could see them Sweet 16. I can't see them going yeah. past Sweet 16, but I could see them making a run to the Sweet 16. I really, I really like Xavier Pinson. I think he's a really, really crafty guard. Yeah, this is a team that upset Illinois early in the season, obviously yeah. early in the season, like I said, but still Illinois was – pretty hot at that point. I'm pretty sure they've already, they were coming off of some good wins and they, they beat Illinois. It was at Missouri, but still, I think that's a great shout. I think they're a good team. Uh, they're definitely going to be probably underseeded in the tournament based off of kind of how they've played this season, just yeah. based off the end of their season, they kind of dropped a few games. They probably should have won, but I totally agree. And then some other teams, Florida and Tennessee. I don't know if anybody wants to touch on either yeah. of those. Uh, I, I can get Tennessee here. So really, really big fan of them. I thought Pons was going to be the, the guy to watch on that team at the start of the year, just draft-wise. I was like, okay, you mm -hmm. know, this is a recognizable name. I could not have been more wrong. Springer <laughs> and Johnson have been absolutely phenomenal for them, really coming into their own, silencing a lot of doubts for them. I Preseason, I'm not sure if anyone really had the, either of those two. In the, I know they definitely were not in the lottery previously in the – in the season, but they've actually managed to move that far up. So I think, you know, with the veteran leadership of Pons and with, you know, the two young bucks that they have, I think they could actually make a little bit of noise. Absolutely love Arkansas too. I think Moody is going to be a hell of an NBA player. Really didn't think I would like him as much as I ended up, you know, liking him. So he really grew on me rapidly too, but absolutely love that Tennessee team and that Arkansas team too. I think Arkansas ends up taking it home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did. So too. I want to talk about LSU as well. Uh, I know you brought him up, Nick. Uh, I really like Cam Thomas. He is a beast. He was, I mean, against Arkansas, he literally didn't miss. Um, Trendon should have gone to IU Watford. Um, he's really solid as well. Uh, they're a potent team, I think. Um, who else? I, I mean, Ole Miss will probably slide in the tournament. They're going to be a tough, um, tough out, probably a 10 or 11 seed, I would guess. Um, that'll yeah, be I, I think probably first four in is mm -hmm. like their way in. They, they kind think, of they've slid at the end of the season. Yeah, I think, I mean, they're an experienced team. They, I mean, any of these teams are pretty good. Uh, I want to bring up Auburn as well. You know, they're probably not going to make the tournament, but – I really love Sharif Cooper. <laughs> uh, I'm an Auburn fan also, by the way, um, mainly football. But uh, Sharif Cooper is an absolute beast. If they add him all year, I think they're a tournament team. Uh, you know, he's missed 
what, 10 games or something like that to start the season, and he's been out the last few. But when he was playing, they were winning games, and they were competitive, and they they would have been really tough to uh, get it uh, eliminated in the tournament. But, yeah, I mean, I think Alabama and Arkansas are really the only contenders, I would say. But really yeah, like LSU. I think LSU. there is a big drop-off. After Alabama and Arkansas, I think yeah. they're like on a different level than everyone else. Yeah, in but most 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 conferences don't have like more than yeah. like having two teams that could potentially make the Final Four is pretty good. So mm-hmm. I totally agree. I'm, we should probably talk about Florida. I don't really watch Florida all that much, so I'll just give some basic information. Yeah, I know Trey Mann on Florida was doing very well. I think he's averaging like 15 a game. Scotty Johnson, he's there's Scotty Lewis. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, well, I mean Scottie no lock. Oh, no lock. We know no lock. No lock's yeah. good. Uh, but overall, this team, <laughs> I can't talk about them. I have no idea. I've, I've watched Florida play I, like twice. I, I can't really. They have some good wins. Yeah, I mean, they're still 13-7 without arguably their best player, Keontae. Oh, who, not arguably. Uh, that's their best player. Which, which was tough to see that. I mean, that was horrific. But, yeah, I mean, they're still probably going to make the tournament, which is impressive, missing your best player. Uh, I mean, they've gotten a lot of five stars in the last few years. There's, they've got talent. Um, it'll just be whether they're going to put it together um, at the right time. doesn't look like they're going to make a run, but you never know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. we got to talk about Kentucky. They absolutely stink, like suck. Yeah. 8-15, <laughs> I hate Kentucky. Probably my least favorite team uh, shout out Garrett Amato. Guy stinks also. <laughs> but uh yeah, I mean yeah. eight and fifteen really hate Cal. Um I mean I really haven't watched them because they stink, but <laughs> uh I know they've got a bunch of freshmen who are seeing their name slide down the draft board. Yeah. Um they stink. And I think it just needs to be emphasized that Kentucky really stinks and remember <laughs> yeah. it because it probably won't happen again. But <laughs> yeah, no, I, think, I mean, I think we can leave it at that, to be honest. Kentucky sucks. Yeah. Arkansas, Alabama, good. We'll go to a team or a conference that has been pretty bad for the past couple of years. Historically good, recently bad, Pac 12. Uh, sports, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what's happened with the Pac-12, but anybody that comes out of California, anybody that's good that comes out of California, does not stay in California. So, I mean, Pac-12-wise, who we like in Oregon, I think is probably the best team. USC's kind of slid a little bit. I don't really know what. I don't really get a good grasp of the Pac-12. Oregon's always good for winning the tournament, so I think they're probably the most likely to make a run if a team were to make a run. Uh, USC's obviously led by. Uh, Mobley, the Mobley brothers, they're both pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I really, honestly, here, I'll, I know I'll talk about somebody that you guys probably won't. Colorado, I actually really like. Mm-hmm. McKinley Wright has been great for Colorado for about, I think, all four years. I don't know if he was good as freshman year, but definitely sophomore. I didn't even know he was a senior this year, but I really like McKinley Wright. I think he's going to lead them to a, I think they'll probably make the Sweet 16, to be honest. I think uh, McKinley Wright's a great player. Evan Batty's a pretty good center. He, if he can stay out of foul trouble, he's consistently in foul trouble but McKinley Wright uh if you're looking for teams that like uh go on runs usually led by an experienced guard and I think McKinley Wright's that guy that can kind of take over games um I'm pretty sure let's I'm gonna double check but I'm pretty sure he's been averaging like 25 points last few games so yeah 24 26 
15, 21 in his last four. That's kind of what you like to see to finish a season from a guy. So I, I like Colorado, honestly, maybe to win the Pac-12 as a sleeper. I think Oregon's probably the favorite or USC or UCLA. I think those are probably the top three. But yeah. uh, Dark Horse is definitely Colorado for me. Um, but, yeah, other than that, I don't love the Pac-12. What do you guys think of the Pac-12? Yeah, I agree with you on Colorado. I think they're probably my number one team right now in the Pac-12. I do like UCLA. I like what they've rebuilt from a few down years. Um, I mean, they're probably going to make the tournament. They're solid. They, I mean, I don't really – I know Tiger Campbell, he's doing all right this series. Indiana guy. Um, yeah. USC they lost their potent. best player. Yeah. USC's potent okay. with Mobley, um, mm-hmm. Mobley brothers. Um, they've got a shot. What one team that really has surprised me this year is Stanford. I thought they were going to be really good this year with Zaire Williams and an experienced team around them. I think they're kind of built like Arkansas, and they just haven't lived up to it like Arkansas has. Um, they're sitting in the middle of a pack, in the middle of the pack of a bad conference. Um, I'm not high on any of these teams to make a deep run. I don't uh, think any of them will go past the Sweet 16. Yeah, I think I mean, on paper, I agree with that. Yeah. I would agree with that. I agree. Well. I think the most likely would probably be Oregon to do that, just because I think they do have a solid team around them. Like, LJ Figueroa, we watched him. We're all from yeah. Butler. So, we watched him play at St. John's for four years, for three years. He was great. Chris Duarte has been pretty good for Oregon for however long he's been there. Will Richardson's been good. They have some – uh, Amari Hardy, he's been a uh, he was at UNLV. He was at UNLV. He's a pretty good guy off the bench. Uh, Eugene from Eugene, as Bill Walton says, he's a pretty good center. I think they have a pretty good, solid team. Dana Altman's a great coach. Mm-hmm. So I think if a team were to do it, it would be this team because they're pretty experienced all the way around. They don't really have, they don't play freshmen. They have one sophomore that gets minutes. Chandler Lawson. Yeah. So uh, they got that senior or that older yeah, so experience. Like, yeah. So I like them and I like. Uh, Colorado, like I said, I think USC, Andy Enfield's really not that good of a coach. He's kind of living off the, the Florida Gulf Coast years. Yeah, so, I mean, USC, they kind of struggled at the, towards the end of the season. So, I'm hoping – I'd like to see them. I, I was really high on them until they started losing um, yeah. the last couple of weeks. But not even losing. I think I was just betting on them and they didn't cover, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely think with, with this conference, though, this is kind of the king conference of really talented individual players with mm-hmm. nothing to show for it because you have two top t- guaranteed <laughs> top ten picks here with Mobley and Williams. It is like they just, you know, at least with Mobley, he has some semblance of a team around him. Williams, mm-hmm. nothing. Absolutely nothing to work with. On paper, they – they, were they should to be, be pretty good. They they should be good, but it just for whatever reason did not end up working out. So, I like the I like this USC team a little bit to maybe mix. I mean, we'll see after you know this could all change after. Mobley's a matchup nightmare. Yeah, like I don't know how you guard Mobley. Frankly, it it, it kind of reminds me of you know when DeAndre Aiden was at Arizona. There's just yeah nothing you can do. I mean, in my opinion, I think Aiden's supporting cast at Arizona was better, and you know, coaching-wise, too. I so, think Aiden, just so you know, uh, DeAndre Aiden got upset in the first round. I'm well aware. <laughs> I'm well aware of that. That was Buffalo, right? Yeah. That yeah, was Buffalo. That was, that was That's Nate Oaks. That's four. Alabama. Yeah, so 13-4 upset right there. 
but I think those similarities could also hold in place. The only difference here is I think this team's actually getting less hype than that Arizona team. I'm pretty sure they finished that year ranked. I know Aiden was getting a ton of buzz as well, you know, being number one mm-hmm. overall, that combo ain't even happening here. There's a negative shot that that happens. But I think with this conference, yeah. it's individual talent, not really much outside of that for team-wise. Yeah, I mean, one, love one, other, one other team that you got to talk about in or in the Pac-12 that's really disappointing is Arizona State. Yep. To start yes. the season, Arizona State, I, I like them to win the uh, Pac-12, and they have been awful. Remy Martin's obviously a great player, and he's been playing well all season. Uh, well, you can't really say Jacob. Jacob's been injured for about yeah. how long has he been injured? Like a month. Yeah, no, he's been injured for a few uh, months. Yeah, he's been he's been out for a while. But overall, like even without him, they have a solid team. I really thought they were going to be a lot better than they were. Like Alonzo Birch was a solid player. Uh, Marvin Bagley's brother, he yeah, was good. Marcus, I it was yeah. I mean they've they've just had injuries. Did Marcus Bagley transfer? He hasn't played in a while. Nah, anyway. he was there at the beginning of the year. Yeah, but anyway, Arizona State, that's a really big disappointment. I thought they were going to kind of be the leader of the Pac-12, and they've been the opposite. So, mm. overall, I think we can agree, don't look out for the Pac-12. If we're going to pick a team or two, I'd say Oregon, Colorado, maybe UCLA, yep. just those types of teams. USC, I think they have four teams that could make a run, but I, I don't see it likely. I think Sweet 16, Elite Age, probably the ceiling for me for them. And then – we're going to go on to the Big East, my favorite conference in basketball, the most consistent. Go dogs. But there's some sad news to begin uh, this one with the Big East. First of all, we have Villanova's leader for the last couple of years, Colin Gillespie, torn meniscus or MCL? Not Probably. ACL. I know it wasn't the ACL. MCL. 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 So that's, that's huge for Villanova. Uh, I feel bad for them. I thought – they're probably going to be one of those teams that could probably make a run to the final four. If any team from the big East was going to do it, it was probably going to be Villanova. They're the most well-rounded team. Actually, they're really not. Creighton's probably more well-rounded on defense, but Villanova, you kind of know what they are. We all know what Villanova is. Shoot threes yeah. with guys that are about six, five to six, seven and have two guys in the post that can both rebound with Samuels and Jeremiah Robinson Earl. So I guess, what do you guys think Villanova's, Ceiling is now without Gillespie. Um, I'm assuming we're probably going to see Justin Moore and Caleb Daniels take over the point guard duties, and then maybe Slater slate into – well, no pun intended. Slater slate into that small forward or maybe like Brian Antoine or Cole Swider. Uh, I think this really affects them. They don't really have that go-to scorer anymore. Yeah. Uh, Gillespie was in the shot clock. Yeah. So I think this is really going to hurt Villanova. What do you guys think? I think it really hurts Nova. I think Gillespie – like, I know I didn't agree with this, er, like, very early, early in the season. But, like, I know all the announcers always say, like, it's, like, the typical Nova guard. Like, Archie Diacono, Brunson, and then they were putting Gillespie in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Totally didn't agree with it in the beginning of the year. I thought those guys were on another level. But, could, like, he was very good this year. Like, he could finish. He was hitting big-time shots. And I think he's in that conversation. He's, like, that classic Nova guard, super consistent, just, like, gritty. Um, and I think like he was their heart and soul. Like he's their leader. He's their senior. So I think losing him is like a huge blow. It's just so tough. I feel so bad for Gillespie. Nova, they've had their success, but I feel bad for Gillespie. And I think, I mean, I can't see them going. Ah, sweet 16 ceiling. I can't see them. I think it'll be impressive if they make it to the Sweet 16, honestly. 
I'll agree with yeah. that. I think I think Sweet Sixteen will honestly be the absolute cap, depending yeah. on where they get seated. Though you know, we'll we'll see come Selection Sunday. I yeah. think they could be out a heck of a lot earlier than that. Yeah. We'll get a glimpse of what that. the team's gonna look like with the Big East tournament coming up right around the corner. But from the little bit that we did see of them without playing without him, I understand. You know, the injury was heartbreaking when it happened, but it did not look good. It did not look good one bit for you know them playing after his injury you know it could be the shock factor there but it was a completely different team they probably should have I'm, I'm surprised that they didn't blow that game the lead was big enough over I'm talking about them versus Creed but it it got very ugly it got very ugly very fast and you know it's there are I, I think he was really a band-aid for them where he covered a lot of the the issues that yeah. the team had Specifically, you know, you have that veteran leadership at the point running everything. Everything goes through him. You remove that from the picture, and it's hard for me to see them doing anything. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm i indifferent about it. I mean, obviously, it's a huge loss. He's probably their best player, most important player, if not most talented. Um, but, you know, they're well coached. They're deep. They have great player development. You know, they're – I agree. It's probably was shock factor. We'll see how they play in the upcoming games when they're prepared to be without Gillespie. Uh, I think they, you know, with the combination of coaching and deep depth, I mean, I think they could make the sweet 16 depending on what seed and, you know, the drawing, how it comes. Uh, I mean, it's tough for me to say that they're going to go any further than that without him. I don't see that happening at all, but you never know. Villanova has won two championships in the last five years. No one else can say that. Um, so we'll see. Um, you know, they're always a fun team to watch except when you're playing them and we'll see. I mean, they've got a bunch of talent, so yeah. Uh, I mean, another team to talk about, the team that that injury occurred against, Creighton. Obviously, they've kind of had that negative press with uh, Greg McDermott's comments. Uh, when was that? Yesterday, two days ago. Yeah. Uh, so he's been suspended indefinitely. I'm assuming that probably just means for the Big East tournament. I can't imagine they'd let him beat Sidoff on the sidelines for the uh, NCAA tournament. I think Creighton's – if Zegarowski can play consistent – like he did last year in the tournament, which he really has in all season, so I don't really expect it. But if he can do that, I think Creighton's a team that could probably make the biggest run in the Big East just because they have those guys who can all play defense. They have Damian Jefferson, Bishop, Mahoney, and then a sharp shooter in Balak, maybe the best shooter in the NCAA, definitely up there. Uh, with those guys, I think this is a team that can make a real run with that squad. Uh, they're kind of a matchup proof they have everything they can really guard you at any way I really like this team um, obviously that's Greg McDermott's going to be a pretty big issue if he's not there I think that could be the main reason why they don't go far but I think Creighton's a team that I really like we'll see how they do against Butler I'm assuming they're going to blow us out but who knows yeah talking about Creighton I mean obviously terrible distraction at the wrong time uh it's going to be tough to overcome that. And, I mean, that's tough as a player to look at your coach after they say that and, like, respect him and want to play for him. That's tough. So, we'll see. I mean, I think they can't – they have the talent to make a run, a deep run. 
Uh, they're really good. Uh, good shooters, good depth. Uh, but my team that I think, uh, considering Villanova and Creighton's situation that will make a run in, out of the Big East is UConn. I've been huge on UConn. I love James Booknight. Yes, sir. Booknight's Booknight. <laughs> love that guy. Uh, they've struggled without him. I they I saw a graphic like they they stunk without that guy. Um, yeah, they had a, they had RJ a loser Cole, record without him. I saw. Yeah, that. RJ Cole really good as well. Um, you know when they're healthy and they've got everybody and uh, Hurley as their coach. You know he always brings energy and with no fans. I mean there's going to be fans in the tournament, but. How many UConn fans will be there? We'll see. But bringing your own energy off the bench, like from your within the own team, I think that's huge. And Hurley always brings that, always has that with his rosters. And they're a super talented team with another lottery pick. I think they're the team out of the Big East that's going to make a run. Yeah, I think James McKnight, I mean, he's – He's a potential lottery pick. Like, he can do it all. He's a big guy who can shoot and drive to the basket, super athletic. And they were a completely different team without him. And now that he's back, I'm glad he's back because he is, he is a superstar. He makes that offense run. And he could go for, like, yeah. 40 points on any given night. Um, I think he's super talented. I could see them making a run. And, you know, Coach Hurley, he's, got, he's a psychopath. He's crazy. And I think – I also think his players feed off of his energy – and he can get them motivated for any game. Um, I can totally see them making a little run. Yeah. So I think in the Big East, those are the three main teams. The only other team that I think is going to make the tournament is uh, or broadcast or podcast. So we're not going to talk about Xavier. Uh, so shout out Paul or Seton Hall, but I, I think Seton Hall is kind of a long shot. I, I think they could. I think Seton Hall is actually not in the worst spot to potentially sneak in, considering how much stuff has gone wrong ahead of them at the moment. Yeah. With Nova losing their biggest big piece and Creighton losing their head coach. Uh, just to add to UConn, once again, my point is stolen again. I absolutely love that UConn team. Book Knight is a stud. In my book, guaranteed top 10 pick, and that's pre-tournament too. We'll see how far you could potentially rise. But there's just something about that team when it's playing in full. Hurley signed a two-year extension today too. Absolutely earned it. That team has been super, super fun to watch. Seton yeah. Hall to me is the most interesting one to see what they're able to do come Big East tournament time because yeah. they've you – know, They need to get a game or two. In order they to need a game tournament. or two. They absolutely need a game or two. And, you know, let's say Xavier falls apart. Hopefully they do. That would be awesome. But if they do that, <laughs> Seton Hall's – Right now, they're the first team out for Lenardi. Of course, this is he released this on March 4th. So as of that date, they're the first team out. So they're right there, even at barely above 500. Yeah. The Saint John, they need to win St. John's. Tomorrow's a yep. must-win game for them. Uh, and, I, I mean, I'd like to see Mamu in the tournament. I really like Mamu. So yeah. hopefully he gets as there. Much as, we, as much as we hate Xavier, I'll talk about him. Um, Fremantle's a beast. When I heard him talk in like a commercial, they did a little feature on him. Was not expecting that, but um, he's a beast. Paul Scruggs is an experienced senior from Indiana. Shout out! Um, I know he's friends with a couple of guys that I know. Um, you know, he—if you check him out from freshman year to now—he has grown tremendously. 
his game reminds me a lot of Aaron Henry, who's another Indiana guy. Just go get a bucket if you need it. Strong, not a great shooter, but can shoot. Um, Xavier's been hasn't played that many games because of COVID and other issues, but you know they're going to make the tournament, and I think they've always got kind of that uh, villain type. Um, I don't know if everyone views them like that, but I know we do over here. Um, they're a yeah, team to Xavier. look out for. Their experience and their young guy, Fremantle, is a beast. So we'll see what they can do. Uh, I don't think they really go far, but they're going to be a tough out for sure. Yeah. So I think we kind of covered the Big East. There's a lot of questions there. So I actually forgot to talk about the ACC. So we're going to move on to the ACC. But like many of the top teams usually in this conference, it's been kind of a forgettable season for the ACC. Florida State and Virginia are kind of the top two guys this year, uh, which they have been in the past. So I don't know. I like Florida State's game a lot. If we're talking about uh, experienced guards with a, kind of that stud freshman, that's kind of the prototypical Florida State game right now. They have Scotty Barnes with MJ Walker and Anthony Polite. Uh, I like them a lot. They'll probably be a two seed, two or three. Um, but yeah, I think Leonard Hamilton's a great coach and they're going to probably go sweet 16 elite eight like usual, kind of what they've been doing lately. Aiden, I know you're a Florida guy. What do you think about Florida State? Yeah, so Florida State's an interesting one. Uh, it took me a while to come around on uh, to Leonard Hamilton. The idea of playing like 12 to 14 guys a night was always extremely foreign to me. Didn't really understand the reasoning behind it, but good Lord, he has made it work. That team is super fun. Love Scotty Barnes. He just has that. I, I don't know why. I'm not sure if his stats even back this up, but if a game's coming down the line, I want the ball in Scotty Barnes' hands. Could be that game winner earlier in the season, clouding my judgment, but there's just something about him Are that you? I'm really drawn to. Yeah, that's. I, I really think that's what a lot of it comes down to. But really like that FSU team a lot. It's it's such a Florida State team that it hurts. I hear about it nonstop being from down here and, you know, with Florida not being so good this year as well. But there, there's just something about that team and the way that they're coached, the way that they play, that just every single year it's like dang near an identical team. Now, granted, I don't mm. know if – I don't believe they have the seven foot five center this year. But <laughs> it ends up being like – you know what you're getting with them year in and year out. And that kind of consistency from FSU's basketball program really, really surprises me. Yeah. yeah I only have a I, one and seven two guy. Yeah. I'm so, huge on Florida sure State as well. Um, I think they're a team. They won the ACC tournament last year right before COVID, literally right before. Um, I think they were a team that could have won the national no, championship did. last year. I don't think that's a thing. At least the ACC uh, regular season. They were regular season. season, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that was it. But regardless, it's another team that I was talking about earlier. Super experienced with a stud freshman. Best combo in March. Uh, Scotty Barnes, is he still coming off the bench? He is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's really good. Uh, I think they're going to be a tough out. Uh, they could go deep. I agree. Elite eight, final four. Um, a team I want to bring up in the ACC that is hot, Georgia Tech. They mm -hmm. are super surprising. You know, 
I don't know what kind of damage they can do, but they've won five in a row. They're hot at the right time. What do you guys think about them? I think Georgia Tech lost to Georgia State and Mercer at the beginning of the season, and I didn't pay attention to them for the rest of the season until they've won – oh, they beat Florida State, who we just said was maybe an Elite Eight, Sweet 16 contender. So they once they did Tech. that, I kind of – yeah. And I, I was, I'm going to mention that in a little bit, that Virginia Tech are frauds. But, um, yeah, I like Georgia Tech probably third out of the ACC besides Florida State and Virginia, which we've kind of mentioned. Uh, I don't really have a reason for that. I just – I like Alvarado. I, he's a good four-year yeah. guy. Um, and then Moses Wright's kind of been a stud for, the, for them the last couple of years too. So, I think Georgia, Georgia Tech has a solid core. Josh Passner's a decent coach. He had a, he had a decent run at Memphis before he went to Georgia Tech. So and I some think, allegations. Yeah, and some allegations. But that, that comes with the territory at Memphis nowadays. Uh, I like what they have. They beat Kentucky, which was a good win at the time. Um, but overall, like I said, I don't know how much they'll do. I think they're a fun team. Exciting. We'll see how they do in the tournament. Maybe if they beat that Virginia or the Virginia or Florida State, they'll like be for sure in. Because I think right now, what are they? Are they last four in, I think, right now? All right, last four buys. That's what they have for Lenardi. So they're kind of on that bubble. Right now they're in, but barely. So I think they probably need to get a win in the ACC tournament just to avoid an upset mostly, and they should be in. Uh, but, yeah, anybody want to talk about Virginia? Because I feel like we probably should talk about them. I feel like Virginia is just so good on defense. Like They just try and smother whoever they play, just try and get the score as low as possible. They're pretty boring to watch. Um, they have uh, Sam Hauser. Joey Hauser? Yep, Sam. Sam Hauser. Um, and who's the, who's the guard with the crazy hair? Kehi Clark. Yes. Clark. Those, I feel like those are their two main guys. Um, but I feel like like their offense is how good their defense is. Like, I yeah. feel like they kind of get, like, they kind of go with their defense. Yeah, so contrary to, like, most Virginia teams, this Virginia team is actually not that great on defense, uh, advanced analytically. They're 30th on Ken Palm, and that's way below what they averaged in the past. This team is more offensive-based, which you can kind of see just based off of how they play. They're um, mostly just because they don't have those elite def wing defenders like they've had in the past with DeAndre Hunter and, like, Mamadou Diakite, those types of guys. They're kind of lacking that with Hauser. He's kind of playing that role without being able to defend the way those guys did. So I think this team – I mean, Tony Bennett – you can't really bet against Tony Bennett unless – they're playing a one or a 16 seed. Uh, but I really like God. Virginia. I don't think in general, I don't really, I don't think this year they're, this is their year. I just don't think this team is that deep. And they, like we kind of mentioned, they don't really, they have two scores. They have Kehi Clark and Sam Hauser. And then they, Jay Huff is apparently good now. Uh, I don't really love him in his game, but I think they'll probably be like an elite eight or a sweet 16 round a 32 team, maybe get upset. They're going to be a three or four seed, I'd imagine. And I don't really see them making much noise in the tournament just because they, they're kind of relying on that offensive explosiveness that they don't really have. And their defense isn't good enough to like save that lack of offense, which is usually the case. So, yeah, I don't know. Anybody have just disagreeing thoughts on that? Otherwise, we can move on. I, I'm not huge on Virginia. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, it could be because I've lost a few bets on them. But – <laughs> don't enjoy watching them. I don't think they're dominant. Um, 21's probably pretty fitting as a ranking right now. Um, you know, 
great coach, so that could help in March. Um, we'll see what happens with them. Not huge on Louisville either, sitting at the four spot right now in the ACC. Uh, Chris Mack's done a good job of rebuilding that program. He thinks they're all that and that plus more. Um, which I guess brings a good swagger uh, after that Patino uh, dirt. But I'm not huge on their team this year. They're sitting at 13-5. and five. They'll be in the tournament. What do you guys think about Louisville? I mean, I don't I like Carly Jones. I like David Johnson. I think those two guys are both really good. They're young. They're really young. They Their roster is – or their starting lineup is David Johnson, sophomore, Dre Davis, freshman, Quinn Slazinski, sophomore, Jalen Withers, freshman, and then Carly Jones is that lone senior. So Carly Jones is kind of like their guy that they lean on. I think they'll probably be – what are you? What are they right now, like a seven seed? I think they're a ten. Ten? They're a ten seed. Oh, they're last four by. So, yeah, they're ten. Uh, Seven-ten matchup. I don't really love them upsetting anybody. I think they could probably beat that seven seed if you call that an upset, but I don't really think they could match up that well. They haven't really – who they played? They lost to Wisconsin by 37. So that's all you really need to know about Louisville. <laughs> I think with Louisville too, they, if I'm not mistaken, they lost a lot of senior talent last year. Due I believe to that, so. Or either last year or two years ago. Cause I know. Yeah. Well, they lost Jordan Nora. He was a junior, but then they lost Dwayne Sutton. And Ryan McMahon. McMahon. Enoch. Don't forget yeah. Sarasota's very yeah, boy. Ryan McMahon. Um, but they, they did – it's a very, very young team. And, you know, given the COVID year this year, I think, you know, Louisville struggles. It's kind of weird to think of Louisville as one of those teams that – not quite the one-and-done team, but on the younger side that would really get hit hard by COVID. I think Louisville absolutely ended up getting hit rather hard, especially being as young as they are. You know, you look at Duke and UNC, them to me, that's super exciting. You know, they're playing, I believe, tomorrow. And mm-hmm. I can't really remember the last – I am I could very well be wrong. I can't remember the last time a Duke-UNC game potentially had this much riding on it going forward. Yeah, right, I mean, Duke, Duke's not making the tournament if they win that game. They're 11-12 and 12 right now. It won't – so right now, Lenardi's got them as first 11. four. Lenardi's got them as first four out, Duke, and has UNC as a 10, That's I shocking. <laughs> yes, Helps so that I know. name, huh? Right, yeah, that's absurd. So Duke, Duke should not be in the tournament. They're eleven and ten. That's yeah, I, could, I could see the committee yeah. sliding Duke in there. I, I could see that a hundred percent. If they yeah. if they win two games in the ACC, they're they're in the tournament. I, and I, if, I if totally agree with that. Yeah. yeah. So UNC's a ten right now, and Duke is first four out for Lenardi. He's it's the fourth one of the first four out list behind Seton yeah. Hall, Utah State, and St. Louis. So that game tomorrow, it. If you would have told me that that was actually going to matter outside of it being just Duke-UNC, like if you would have just had the two teams' records, like kind of like a blind resume type deal, I would have thought absolutely nothing of it. But Mm -hmm. it actually has a decent amount riding on it for tomorrow. Yeah, definitely. So I guess uh, I think probably the last – I guess we have to talk about North Carolina. But the last team besides North Carolina is uh, Virginia Tech. And like I said, I I really don't like this team. I Mike Young, don't get me wrong, I think he's done really well with the team that he has. But this team is really inconsistent. Um, they're 15-5, and five, but and they have a win against Nova, which is a solid win. But overall, I think they have just a lot of holes in their game. They're not really great at either offense or defense. They don't really – they don't have an explosive scoring, and they're not, like, shut down defense. They shoot a lot of threes. That's just kind of Mike Young's game. That's what they did at Wofford. That's what they're continuing to do at Virginia Tech. Uh, 
Keve Aluma has been a stud for them. That guy has been really fun to watch. He's that Wofford transfer from that team that made the – that probably should have beat UK that year um, with Fletcher McGee. But I think Virginia Tech's – if I was going to pick one team that I think is going to get upset in the first round, I think it would be Virginia Tech for me. I think they're not very good, and they'll probably be – what are they right now? Anybody know? Virginia Tech is a six seed right now. They're paired yeah, up against six seed. I, I think they're if they play that game, they're losing to VCU 150%, in my opinion. I think there's a lot of holes in that team. ACC isn't as impressive this year, so being 15-5 and five in the ACC doesn't really mean shit for me uh, compared to, like, being in the Pac-12 or the Big, the Big Ten where you have, like, eight or nine losses. That still holds merit for me. Uh, this team – they're just a solid team in a down year for the ACC. And I think that's really inflating their rating. And I think that's going to show, I think they're going to be overseeded in the tournament. And I think they're probably going to be upset pretty early. Um, and I don't think anybody's really that passionate about Virginia Tech besides me. So we can uh, move on to North Carolina, unless you are, Kylie. Uh, I was just going to bring up Syracuse. Um, oh, yeah, Syracuse. Yeah, don't know where they're sitting right now. I would assume they're probably in. Uh, so 15 they're, and eight. they're right now next four out. Gotcha. Uh, I think sense. they're, I think I'm, I, I, I guess I'm pretty surprised by um, them not being like in. Uh, they don't have any great wins. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think what they lack in is depth. Uh, their starting five is solid. Um, is it Dolajai or whatever? He's a senior. He's been there forever. Uh, Buddy Bayheim's a money ball. They got Alan Griffin transferred from U of I. Uh, you know, Joe Gerard, who was an absolute beast in uh, high school, yeah. he, he can score. Uh, really. So they've got a bunch of scores in the starting five. Uh, their depth is what I think is really killing them right now. Um, you know, I think they'll potentially sneak in if they get a few wins in the tournament, ACC tournament, that is. Um, you know, if he if Beheim kind of cuts down the rotation in March, which a lot of coaches do, you know, they're a team that can make some noise. They've got scores. They've got experience. Um, I mean, do you guys have anything on Syracuse? They're – Obviously, Beheim's a legendary coach. They've got seniors. They've got scoring. That's usually a good recipe in March. But I think see if they it all depends it. how they do in the, that ACC tournament. Because right now, I think they're out. Right now, I don't think they're going to make it. I don't think they're very good either. I don't think they have, like, a dominant scorer that they can kind of lean on. And I don't know. I, I don't think they're going to be in the tournament. The only way they make the tournament is if teams lose in front of them. Uh, just from the optics of it. Um, they don't have any great wins. They don't have any bad losses either, which will help them come that time. I think that'll be a deciding factor. Their worst loss is against Pittsburgh, and they, they actually they got swept by Pittsburgh. They lost twice, but that's not a horrible loss. That's a Q2 loss, which plenty of teams have Q2 losses. So when it comes down to it, Syracuse, they didn't do anything to deserve to make the tournament. They didn't beat Florida State. They didn't beat Virginia, which are the two top dogs. Didn't beat Virginia. Oh, they did beat Virginia Tech. So that's their best one. And like I said, Virginia Tech are fraud, so that doesn't matter. Uh, but in my opinion, like I said, they need a few teams to lose in front of them, which Seton Hall easily could if they get bound from the tournament. They're out. You, St. Louis pretty much needs to win the uh, A-10. They're playing right now as we're 
recording this, so I don't know how that score's been going. Utah State, another one. Those are the teams that are ahead of them. And then Boise State, Drake. Drake might lose. They've lost their point guard. So there's teams, there's opportunities, but they're going to need to do enough for them too. They're going to need to get two or three wins in the tournament. I don't know what their seeding is, but I think that's the only way Syracuse gets in. They just haven't done enough for me to like merit getting an at-large without help at this point. Fair. And then, oh, they, I guess they beat North Carolina. So that they, they came on late. So they're but, the definition of a bubble team. Yeah, that is Literally. correct. I but feel like yeah, this isn't the, the first main... time we've had that conversation about Syracuse, right? I feel like that's pretty much every season. It's, that season they've they been showing on the Elite bubble eight. recently. Yeah, yeah, the Elite when they made it season, the Elite they weren't eight, even supposed to make it, yeah. right? Yeah, they were an 11 seed. Yeah, they, they, they were, were an Some bullshit. It was when Monmouth didn't make it, I think. Yep. That's not right. Just, just crazy. The name's going to yeah, help Q's them, a, probably. Absolutely. And the the people ahead of them, too, like, I think there absolutely is a path here, but I'm not sure how much they'll be able to. I think the only way that they really help their case is making a huge run in the, you know, in their own tournament. But I do think that, let's say they win one or two games in the ACC tournament and then lose, depending on who loses in front of them, I think they could still sneak in because looking at some of the names ahead of them, I don't know how good I actually think Xavier is. They, Duke is the spot above them, essentially, right now. And considering that's a 500 team right now, we'll see after the UNC game, but there is a lot of potential movement coming up here where they still are very much alive. Yeah. Last team that we need to talk about in the ACC before we can move on is Clemson. I think they're probably going to be in the tournament. Uh, I don't know. They're another team, in my opinion. The ACC is just a lot of, like, meh teams for me. I think Florida State's mm-hmm. the only real factor. So – terms of teams that are making the tournament uh we can really only pay attention to florida state every other team i think is probably like round of 32 sweet 16 like ceiling type of deal so clemson's gonna make the tournament north carolina's gonna make the tournament more than likely so these teams are kind of the i don't know they're just kind of like thrown in there for being in the acc they're in the power conference so they get the power wins um clemson's kind of if i was going to pick one team at the beginning of the season that was kind of the surprise. Clemson beat Alabama. They've, they're another team that they have some pretty good wins. So mm-hmm. uh, they have talent on that roster with uh, have Hemway. They have an uh, Indiana boy. Elamir Dawes is pretty good. Nick Honor is decent. They have some decent players. It's just consistency. Um, what's their coach's name? Brad Burnell. He's, he's a pretty good coach. Uh, he's gotten Clemson into relevancy again, which is cool. Mm-hmm. But overall, Clemson – they beat Purdue too, actually. Okay, so they have Alabama and Purdue at the beginning of the season. Those are two really good wins, to be honest. So yeah. never mind, maybe Clemson will be good. But overall, they've been way too inconsistent for me to like lean on them to like probably make the Sweet 16. If I was going to say like ceiling wise, that's probably still their ceiling is Sweet 16. Maybe ruin like one of my upset picks. I don't know. But I think overall, ACC, we can kind of layer it down to Florida State tier one, Virginia tier two, and then everybody else kind of in that tier three to bubble. Uh, but yeah, I think that's probably going to wrap up today for um, the major conferences. We're going to be back next week, kind of talking about mid-majors closer to the tournament. We'll have a better idea of who's in the tournament already with some conference championships kind of wrapped up. But overall, any closing words for any of you guys before we sign off? Go dogs. Go dogs. Hopefully we can uh, screw up current seating a little bit. And, yeah, thank God the season's finally over for us. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I mean, 
this is one of the most exciting times of the year if you're a sports fan. Uh, even if you're not a big basketball fan, everyone watches March Madness. Um, kind of get to shut out everything for a few days, uh, especially the first few rounds where there's just constantly four games on. Uh, it's the best time of the year. Uh, but, I mean, I think this year is super open. Um you know, especially with all the circumstances and uh, teams kind of having to miss time due to COVID, uh, not as much practice with COVID, uh, not having fans and losing some home games that probably wouldn't be losses. Um, you know, this is going to be a crazy tournament. I think it'll be one of the most um, interesting and like unexpected tournament that we could see in recent years um i'm super excited uh the player from purdue that i was gonna talk about later that i mentioned was jay nivey shout out another indiana guy um as you can tell from this podcast indiana basketball runs deep and that's where the tournament is and that's yes, awesome sir. and let's go i'm fired up this is march baby yeah no we're fired up it's going to be awesome. Tournament is in Indy, Indiana. So it's going to be awesome. We're all from there. So looking forward to trying to snag some tickets. Um, but yeah, I think Florida State, I think Florida State is a championship contender. If I was another Whoa, team, Jack, what the I would hell not want to touch about? Florida State. I, would, I wanted to talk about Florida State. Okay. I think Florida State is long in lead. If I was another team, I would not want to touch Florida State. That's so right. Everyone pick a champion right now. Who you got before the brackets come out? Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Jack. You want to go last? Florida State. I really like Florida State. I'm a Florida State. Fair. I'm going Arkansas Razorbacks. Let's go. <laughs> I'm on the train. Let's go. We got Moses Moses Moody. Moses Moody. <laughs> All right, boys. Bye. Till next time.